demise. I will say this about investing. Everything you do learn is cumulative. What I learned at 20 is useful. Welcome to another episode of Equity Mates, where we will help you learn to invest in 15 minutes or less. We break down the world of investing from beginning to dividend so that you can hopefully make some returns. My name is Bryce, and as always, I'm joined by my equity buddy, Ren. How are you today, bro? (laughs) I'm very good, Bryce. How are you? Yeah, very well, as always. That's good. That's good. What's been happening? It's that uh, bonanza time of year, tax time. Tax time, the best time. (laughs) The best time. So look, tax is confusing at the best of times. And on top of your normal income, on top of your hex payments, on top of whatever else, your mortgage, if you also have a bunch of money in the market, it just gets that little bit more confusing. So never fear, equity mates are here to to simplify it all. Um, And I think... If there's one message that we want to get through in this podcast today, it's that being an Australian and being an investor in Australia means that that you have a lot of advantages. The government really loves you, surprisingly so, Um, and understanding how investments are treated under our tax system is important because there's probably a lot of benefits out there that you may not have been enjoying fully. Absolutely. So, Ren, this episode is a Basics 101 about tax time bonanza. We'll cover things from such as the basics on tax returns, uh, what you need to do to fill out a tax return, capital gains discounts, things like tax loss selling, franking credits, margin loans, all those sorts of things um, that you need to look out for or need to consider um, when, when it comes around. So, do you want to kick it off, Ren? Very, very simply, before we get into the basics, is um, here's why it's so good to be an Australian, and here's some of the the ways that Australia. Sand, sir. Yeah, 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 the Arby. sun. <laughs> no, in terms of being an investor, so we've talked about franking credits or dividend imputation uh, before, and we're not gonna. I won't explain it again here, but Australia is one of the three countries with full dividend imputation. Uh, now, all these numbers are courtesy of Wikipedia, so if I'm wrong, just uh, take it up with them. So yeah, one of three countries with full dividend imputation, uh, One of th- also one of three countries that allow unrestricted use of negative gearing against any source of income. Uh, so that's, you know, baby boomers negatively gearing their houses to uh, offset their, their work income. Um, most, most countries don't allow that. Uh, capital gains discounts, so if you hold an asset for a year or longer, your tax bill is halved on those assets. Um, and then also, you know, we have a massive culture of dividends over here that uh, ASX 200 uh, pays an average of 4.7% or 6.5% with franking credits. In America, the S&P 500 is 2.2%. So there's a lot of, not only getting paid more in dividends and stuff like that, but there's a lot of benefits through the tax system, uh, which we'll talk about some of them today. But if you don't understand them, you can't take advantage of them. So that's probably the, the most important thing to, to understand. Know, know how much money you can get back from the government. Yeah, absolutely. Rene Rifkin, he said, the key to being wealthy is to pay as less tax as possible. So Yeah, Kerry Packer said, why would, I, why would I try and not minimize my tax? You guys aren't spending it well enough. <laughs> yeah, not bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's kind of true. So 
That's some of the reasons why it's good to be an Australian investor from a tax point of view. So let's talk about the basics, Ren. And the, the basics in our eyes all comes down to understanding what sort of income you're making from your investments, what counts towards your tax, what counts towards your income, um, because it can be quite confusing, especially if it's your first year when you're making some capital gains and you're selling some stocks or you're getting some dividends. Um, it's It's often hard to know where that all falls. So obviously, you have your income from your major form of employment, be it full-time work, part-time work, whatever. But then on top of that, there are a number of other income streams that count towards your overall tax return, such as money from dividends, which is where a company will pay out part of their profits to you um, based on how many shares you hold. So if you don't get that dividend reinvested into stocks and you get that paid in cash, then that does contribute towards your tax taxable income at the end of the day. Then any price gains that you have on on stocks that you purchased, if they go up in price, obviously, and you sell them, then that's called a, t- a capital gains tax. That proportion of profit also goes towards income for that year. So that's added on top of your income from your main form of employment. So, I mean, at the end of the day, they all make up uh, your accessible income and are taxed at the same rate, uh, depending on what tax bracket it, it all pushes you in. The important thing to understand, just when you're talking about if your shares go up in price, that's a capital gain. You don't pay, it's not, there's no capital gains event. So you don't pay tax on that capital gains until you actually sell. Yeah. Um, the dividends are obviously when you get paid them, they're, they're taxed in that year and their income. Um, but, you know, if you, if you are Warren Buffett and you bought Coca Cola shares in 1950 and you haven't sold them in 2018, uh, you haven't actually paid tax on any of those capital gains in that time. Yes. So I also want to add to that, Ren. It's made it's made me think that you when you sell the stocks, and and this might seem obvious to some, but when when you sell the stocks at for a profit, you're not charged the tax there, and then you're going to get that full profit straight into your bank account or into your investing investment holding account or wh- whatever it may be. It's not until you claim those profits at the end of the year that the government then says all right, you need to pay us uh, tax uh, on those profits. So do be aware that if you are you know, getting significant profits uh, throughout the year that you will need to have some lump of um, money at the end to probably cover the uh, tax that the, that the government says you, you, you owe them. So you're not going to be charged there and then. Um, it's something that will come up later in the year. So that takes us to filling out the tax return, Ren, and this is quite a daunting process or was a daunting process yeah. until the ATO sorted themselves out and has now a pretty swish online um, tax system where they pretty much, wherever you've given your uh, tax file number, they're able to pretty much pull almost all sorts of income. Um, it's very straightforward and very easy. But yeah, filling out the tax return, pretty daunting, hey? Yeah, very daunting. Something that still worries me even though I've done it for a while and you know it's oh, just absolutely I, I don't know what it is let's talk about what you need to fill out your tax return let's try and make it a little less daunting sure um, so the things that we talked about uh, your dividend income is um, is income and that needs to be included uh, yep. and where you've sold shares for a capital gains that's that then recorded as capital gains um, and yep. you need to include that now, something else that's really important that a lot of people don't think to do at the time, but regret it when they don't do it later, is if you sell shares for a loss, that's considered a capital loss. And it's really important you record that every year um, for any shares that you sold that year, because what the government lets you do is if you later make a gain 
um, and you've made a loss previously, you can actually not pay tax on those gains to make up for the earlier loss. So that's just another way that filling out your tax return properly uh, will benefit you in the future. Yeah. So your losses can be a, well, are a, a tax advantage depending how much um, capital gains you've made. So yeah, the key there, Ren, as you said, is to absolutely record them and include them in your tax return each year, even if you've made no capital gains because they're not going to count for anything if the government doesn't know about them and they're not going to believe you if you said, oh, I made a $1,000 loss three years ago. Too bad if you haven't recorded it then. Yeah, yeah. No going back. Exist. No. If you don't record it in that year, it's gone forever. That that That's just a loss that you don't get any benefit from it later down the line. Yeah. Um, now, don't go out and make bad investments so you can get that loss that it's not worth it (laughs) (laughs) you'd rather be paying capital gains tax than trying to offset it with a loss yeah 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 paying tax is when you're talking about investing is you know it's it's a pretty good thing it means you made a a correct decision so don't be too sad if you have to pay a lot of tax it probably means you made a lot of profit as well yeah so is there anything else so uh dividends uh any money that you've made from shares appreciating that you've sold um, so price gains and then any capital loss from money that you've lost in shares that you've sold that year. Yeah. Now, I would also point out that they are cracking down or trying to crack down on crypto. Yeah, uh, good call. And and this is something that uh, they haven't quite nailed yet because crypto, you don't put in your tax file number and it's all sort of offline in these blockchain exchanges and oh, it's uh, it's offline but you know if you sign if you're doing it through coinbase or whatever oh, yeah. like it's all, you know they you, will be all over it yeah 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 <laughs> so if you are in crypto and you uh, were lucky enough to make considerable um profits back when it was booming in december january of of last year uh, make sure you record what your profits were uh, because they ATO have definitely said that at some point uh, this year and going into the future, they will be cracking down on profits made by crypto or from crypto. And you don't want to be paying, uh, getting paying a, a, a bill to the tax office in five years time for something that uh, you should have recorded this year. So yes, it might be easier to get away with it, but certainly um, consider it when you're filling out your tax return this year, because those profits do count towards your assessable income. Yeah, and just uh, in case you're not sure if it's income or uh, capital, the, uh, the crypto is considered an asset. So whatever gain or loss you made on that asset, it's either a capital gain or a capital loss. All right, so once you've included all of that in your tax return, that's the basics. Understand how much money you made or how much money you lost. Here are some of the different ways that you can um, uh, take advantage, I guess, of the tax system or at least um, know, know where... The benefits are mm-hmm. so uh first one is capital gains discount you know we were just talking about crypto being an asset and the shares that you own or the bonds that you own or you know if you own a house or they're all different asset types and the money that you make on the price change of an asset so if it goes up or it goes down in value is a capital gain or a capital loss now to encourage people to not speculate wildly in markets uh, the government actually gives investors a 50 percent capital gains discount if you hold an asset for a year or more the, the way the way that it works is all of your assessable income gets taxed at your tax bracket depending on how much assessable income you have um, but this for the assets that you held for longer than a year you only pay 50 percent of whatever that tax bracket is for for this portion of your income so if you made a bunch of money on stocks, um, 
but you held it for a lot more than a year, you'll only pay 50% of the tax that you would have paid if you held it for, you know, 364 days, say. So it's a really easy one, not too complicated, but good to know. If you're, if you're getting to that year mark and you've made some money, it might be worth holding on for an extra few weeks so you tick over a year and you pay less tax. Yes, not bad. Yeah. Anything else? Uh, that's it for the capital gains discount. The flip side of that coin is what happens if you've lost a bunch of money in, in markets? Is there a mm. way that you can uh, take advantage of that loss? Mm. I think so. Yeah. It's called tax harvesting. Well, we have actually just addressed it. It's uh, tax loss selling. Um, and it's where you try and net out your capital gains and your capital losses. So uh, as we said, you can carry over any losses that you make from um, um, a capital purchase. Um, as we said, as long as you report them in the year that they occur, that is the critical part to this. There's no point trying to claim losses from previous years. If you didn't report them that year, it's a no-go. The ATO won't want to borrow it. And the idea being that um, capital losses uh, can be offset against the income from a capital gains, not against your personal income. It's got nothing to do with that. It's only against uh, capital gains. So for example, you own an investment property that's done very well in Australia and an investment portfolio has done uh, very poorly. So you want to sell the investment property. Um, You can also sell the investment portfolio to reduce the tax that you pay on that property. So there you've got two assets one that's losing one that's winning and uh, the losses will uh, net out the tax that you have to pay on the uh, investment that's going really well but as we said ren this is um, i would say an advanced tax sort of strategy and something that at our level um, it's definitely not something you want to pursue because a you want to be aiming for investments that are all making money um, and also if you're selling just to do a tax return and try and offset some capital gains, then, you know, um, that's sort of against our philosophy of, of setting and holding. Um, of course, it's completely up to you in, in the individual way that you do it. And as you accumulate more and more money, it might be something that um, is worth looking at and you should get some professional advice if you want to do pursue that strategy. But, um, yeah, it's just uh, we're just making you aware of it. Yeah. So I think. At this stage, if you're new to investing, you're, you've only done a couple of tax returns, you're still finding your feet. The most important thing is if you're going to take a loss in an investment, just make sure you report it. That's all you need to do at this stage. Don't worry about netting it out. You can net it out in future years. But just make sure you report it this year in the year that it happened, just so you've got it on the books for whatever comes next. Yeah, because um, if we haven't made it obvious, it obvi- um, it accumulates year on year. So the, yes. th- the thousand that you report this year, if you do another thousand next year, then you've actually got two thousand in total to offset against any income that you make from an asset. So that's the point of reporting each year because it'll accumulate year on year. Yeah. Now the one thing that we need to stress is uh there's a thing called wash sales and that's what happens um where investors get towards the end of the financial year, sell a loss um to to get this tax loss benefit. Uh, but then they repurchase in the new financial year the same asset, um, and then you know they hold it again. So uh, that's that's considered illegal under tax law because it's basically giving yourself an unfair tax advantage. Um, so if you are selling for the tax benefits, uh, you sh- you really shouldn't be buying that asset again straight away. Um, you shouldn't be buying it again. 
really unless something changes. Um, yeah, so, sold it for a loss. Then. Yeah, look, in, in America, it's really simple. It's 30 days. If yeah. you sell it, you can't buy it again within 30 days. It's clean. It's easy to understand. Uh, in Australia, the tax law has a lot more discretion for the ATO. So it's more an assessment of your individual circumstances and that individual trade. So we can't right. give you a hard and fast rule. Um, but yeah, you got to just be careful about that. If you if you plan to buy the asset back straight away, don't don't do this. Yeah, steer yeah. clear. It's dodgy. Yeah, you'll be busted. Yeah, you will be busted. <laughs> so we're almost at the end of the tax episode bonanza. Let's let's uh, <laughs> look at um, Franken credits. Yeah, this is the so, this is the big one. This is one we tried to explain before and. I don't know. So some people may have understood it, I guess. I think we did well. Yeah, yep. yeah. So right. let's give it another shot. Who wants shot? to have first crack at it? You give it a crack. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so very simply, I say very simply because it's not going to be a simple explanation. <laughs> no, okay. So uh, as a company, the company pays tax on the amount of profit it makes. Then when the company pays you a dividend from that profit, the government then tax your dividends as income to you. So that means the company has earned a chunk of money and paid tax on that profit. And then after paying tax has paid money out to you, its shareholder, and then you've paid tax on that profit. So that's, it's, you've been taxed twice by the government on the same profit that the company has made. So the Australian government, I think the Keating government or back in the day, someone decided that's unfair. We shouldn't doubly tax this money. Therefore, the companies, when they pay tax will get franking credits and they're basically tax credits for the tax we've already paid. So what happens now is the, the company, if it pays tax on those profits, will get franking credits and then it will pay those franking credits out with the dividend and then you as the investor can use those franking credits, those tax credits, to claim uh, some money back from the government. Make sense? Yeah. I want to point out, Ren, not all companies give franking credits. Uh, some of them make you well some of them don't do it so you do actually have to pay whatever bracket you're in um on on those dividends but it's it's pretty common in australia that companies pay out franking credits so something to look out for usually you'll, you'll see it on your dividend statement or whatever it'll say 100 percent franking credits or 50 percent franking credits that just means to the 100 percent of the value of your dividends uh they're fully franked as they would say yeah and the good thing is these days the government generally records them for you so sometimes if you go on the ato you know tax filing system they'll already be in there for you which is nice absolutely i've never had to deal with franking credits in terms of going through paperwork or dividend statements to find out it's always just in there somehow the government are that good i hope they are (laughs) so so basically one way to think of it if you're confused is that the company has paid tax on has already paid tax on those dividends for you so the franking credit is just like an IOU basically saying the company has already paid tax on this. You don't need to pay tax on it. The government owes you this money back or at least takes it off the rest of your income. Yeah. So that's it. That's franking credits. That's it. Hopefully um, just keep out an eye on your statement. Yeah, 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 definitely. That's probably that's probably the best thing. Well, you know, property owners would say negative gearing might be the best thing, but franking credits would be a close second for in terms, in terms of how lucky Australian investors are. Yeah, big time. Know, yeah. All right, so a couple to go. I want to touch on margin loans, Ren. This is obviously um, a rather experienced investor. This is something that they would do. It's taking out uh, specific loans for investing in shares. Uh, A lot of the banks do it. Um, It's where you take out a loan against um, 
a, a list of shares that the banks provide. You can um, leverage your portfolio um, with an, uh, an amount of cash. So you put in a thousand of your own and the bank will lend you 9,000, for example, so that you can have a $10,000 portfolio and you can <clears throat> buy shares that they sort of approve based on their level of risk and all that sort of stuff. But in, in taking out a $9,000 loan, you obviously have to pay interest on that loan, just like you would any other loan. The good thing is that interest paid on an investment loan can be claimed as a tax deduction. So this means essentially that the cost of borrowing that $9,000 can be reduced um, by 30 to 40%, depending on what tax bracket you're in. So keeping in mind that um, you know dividends coming from that uh, portfolio will be included towards your tax return. Uh, so you will have to pay interest on that. Um, but you know, you would hope that the interest payments can be covered by the dividends and then you can, and then you can claim against that. So just to be aware, I think the main point from that is that interest paid on an investment loan can be claimed as a tax deduction. Um, so it, it is an incentive to often take out uh, a loan for these sorts of, uh, investments, but as I said, at the start, this is something that an advanced investor would do because um, there's, there are many risks associated with margin loans um, because you're obviously really exposed. And if you buy $9,000 worth of BHP and that BHP drops by 50%, then you obviously still owe the bank a lot of money, um, but the shares are now worth 50% less than they were before. And you're still going to need to be paying interest on that loan, which is probably not going to be even with a tax dis, uh, incentive, it's not going to be uh, enough to get you out of the hole. So as I said, just making you aware that <clears throat> investment loans do have a, a tax incentive. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think all isn't all loans you can the interest is tax deductible. Not if it's your like own home, you can't claim interest on your on own your mortgage. Home. Okay. What no, about like it has to be an investment. So credit cards, not absolutely not. Okay, interesting. No. There you go. Interesting. <laughs> there goes nice my tax one, return. <laughs> yeah, so obviously it would be nice to be able to claim all of your interest payments and repayments <laughs> on credit cards and any loan you take out. But unfortunately, unfortunately, in Australia and probably every other country in the world, uh, the governments aren't nice enough to say, hey, if you've uh, spent $1,000 on a holiday to Bali, we're going to let you offset that against your income tax and true, we're going to give you some cash back. So, uh, no, it doesn't work like that, but they obviously want to encourage investment. Um, for them, it's, a, it's always a good thing to have um, everyone putting some money into investments. So, yes, investments on um, interest payments on loans for investment purposes are usually uh, tax deductible. So, something to keep in mind. There you go. Yeah, look, I just want to touch on, um, you know, at the end of the day, you're going to be filing a tax return and hopefully you're going to be getting some money back. It's it's a, a bonus if you do. Um, you know, the government would, would prefer it if you we come out even Stevens. But uh, look, the idea that we do tax returns is to try and make all these deductions and get some of our tax back. So then it leads to, look, you, you're going to, you might be lucky enough to finish with a, a lump sum um, at the end of at the end of the day that you weren't necessarily expecting before. So the one sort of message that I would like to um, give out is that uh, I always treat your tax return as a, as a bonus if you because if you, you you know you're really lucky to actually get one. Um, it's a lump sum of money that you weren't banking on getting. So if you use it wisely, um, it can actually add up to a lot over the years if you reinvest um, or put it towards something useful. A lot of people go and spend it, which is fine, but I, I just want to uh, say that 
you know, it's a good thing to think wisely about what you're going to do with your, I, your, your tax return. I think that's a long way of saying invest it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's why we get to 30 minutes, mate. I'm not going to tell anyone what to do. I'm just saying think about it. All right. Bryce doesn't want to tell you what to do. I'll tell you what to do. Don't blow it on no, stupid no, no, shit. <laughs> no, because look, obviously a lot of people use their tax returns for different things, but uh, if you don't need to use it, then uh, it can go a long way. So... That's it, Ren. That was our tax time bonanza. Okay. Um, I hope everyone has got something out of it. It is a scary time of year for a lot of people. Um, don't uh, put it off. Claim your losses if you've made any. Um, don't try and make losses to try and offset any income because um, you could put yourself into a bit of a tricky situation. Um, but yeah, I hope someone, everyone's got something out of that because I was always a bit bamboozled by the old tax return. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. On that note, let's not bamboozle Bryce anymore. Um, Until next week. Equity mates and the people appearing in this program may have positions in the companies mentioned. This is general advice only. Please speak to a financial professional to understand how it may pertain to your individual situation.